Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Well, welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. My name is Greg McDonough. I am the CEO of Blackburn Capital Advisors and the chapter president of the Entrepreneurs Organization of Washington, DC. Today's guest is a software development expert, an enterprising entrepreneur, technical consultant for Expresso Inc. and the principal of Square Residential, Bruno Muscolino. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Thank you, uh, Greg, for being here. Um, let's just uh, dive, uh, dive into the meat. Yeah, I'd love to. And sorry, I uh, slipped up on your name there. I've been practicing all morning, but it's one of the- uh, It happens all the time. Don't, don't sweat it. <laughs> awesome. So our podcast is about leadership. And my favorite question to ask my guests is, what are some misconceptions in leadership that you've seen? So that's actually an interesting question. Um, I've been thinking about this uh, for, for, for a little while. Um, and I think the first, the first step is starting to define the, the, the word. I think uh, the first misconception comes from, uh, from the, the word uh, leadership. Uh, leadership, what does that mean? That means the leader of the ship. And then you can, um, then what is the leader of a ship? Do you want to be the leader of a galley? where a bunch of people are there working, uh, working for you, making the ship go forward? Or do you want to be the leader of a cruise ship where people are happy to be there and they're having a big party uh, on the ship all the time? And so where I'm going with this is, you know, are you driving, a, are, you, are you leading a galley or are you leading um, a cruise ship? Um, and your guests, your Customers, your employees, do they rather be on a galley or do they rather be on a on a, on a cruise ship? And so that's uh, that has been kind of like my approach uh, to, to to leadership. So I'll give you an example. Um, we have uh, right now we are revamping our CRM. I mean we are uh, we have quite a bit of contacts and we work with a lot of a uh, lot of people. I could tell. Uh, the, the lady who's taking care of that, hey, uh, hey, Blaze, can you, uh, can you just, uh, you know, enter all those business cards, those 500, 5,000 business cards, I don't even know how many I got, uh, into the, the CRM, or I can, uh, build, I can tell her, hey, Blaze, we, you know, we have all those contacts, we're spending a lot of time trying to find out those, uh, the people that we need to reach when we are searching for them. Uh, we have acquired this software. Can you can you help us uh, make our process and our company more efficient by uh, by by helping us enter that uh, that data? And we'll all be maintaining it the best as we can uh, going forward. So you know, um, leadership. Uh, you know, it's not does not come from a, power, a place of authority. Uh, and that is one of the misconceptions. That's the first main point is it does not come from a place of authority, which is uh, the, probably the biggest misconception that people have. Um, and I think uh, that's, uh, I'm gonna take you to a little bit uh, unusual place uh, because while I was thinking about this, uh, I thought about, uh, I thought about a like a painting, like a quote that uh, you see very often in stores. And I'm gonna read you I'm gonna read it to you, but I'm gonna switch uh, one of the main words uh, by leadership. 
And uh, I think uh, that is the best description of leadership that I could come up with because I was looking for a definition. And I'll go, I'll go, I'll go for it. So leadership is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it does not, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongdoing. And I think that is literally the definition of, uh, of, of a good leader, right? You could be a leader on, uh, on a galley, of a galley, or you could be a, you know, a loving leader, I want to say. So I think there's a lot of correlation between love and leadership in the sense of, you know, you love your company. You want your company to go forward. You want things to be to be done a certain way, but you also have to, you know, love your employees and help them grow and uh, help them um, be better people, better people, the better, the you know, I don't like this sentence, this, this quote, be the best you can be. That used to remind me some uh, bad advertising back in the day. But, um, but you know, you want people to, 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 to do better themselves. So do you, want your, do you want the people who are helping your ship go forward to be in a galley? Or do you want it to be on a, on a cruise ship? So that's, I think, the biggest misconceptions, right? People think, oh, a leader is authoritative. You're a galley leader, but uh, I don't think that is the case. I think you should be on a, on a cruise ship with people that are having a good time. I love the way you you frame that, right? The galley compared to a cruise ship and what that translated for me, or the word that that highlighted into my into my brain cells was passion. Right? Yes. It's yes. the entrepreneur, the business leader, the business owner having passion for their business, but also, creating that passion within their employees or their vendors or their stakeholders. And that's, you know, to your point, the misconception is around the authority, the place of authority. And I think what you're articulating is it's really, you lead by showing passion and gathering folks around, around that similar passion. Absolutely, absolutely. And, uh, and I think sometimes but it's a little bit more than that, I think, because sometimes, you know, people may not have, you know, let me give you an example, right? If I have a, a software developer that's uh, building uh, something for the real estate company, right, like a tool, that person may not have a passion for real estate, but may have a passion for the technology. So I think it's more than just driving the passion for necessarily my business, but for what they like to do and what they do, driving passion for what they do and uh, creating purpose for, for, for those people. Not necessarily, you know, 100% for, you know, the, the field, or, or I'm not sure I'm, ex I'm explaining this the, the, the right way, but illicit passion, absolutely. But it doesn't have to be the same passion as, as the person, as, the, as a leader. Otherwise, we're back in dictatorship, right? Everybody's got to like uh, what, what the, the boss says. And that's, uh, I think that's, that's a slippery slope. But uh, enlist passion, a passion inside the, the employee or, or, or the vendors or, or, the, um, or the contractors. I mean, everybody. Sure. Let's go a little bit deeper on that. When you're working, with an employee or a vendor or a subcontractor, how do you discover what they're passionate about? 
Well, I think you have to come from a place of uh, of listening again. Uh, you know, um, you have to listen what they say, and you have to not necessarily uh, take it as as a no. Sometimes they'll say no to something, but that comes from you know a fear, and maybe they want to work with you and they want to go with you, but you know they're afraid of something like. Um, many, many times that happened to me in, in, in the past. Like the, the default answer is, oh no, it cannot be done. And then when you say, why, what is the issue? And then you discover the issue is totally something totally different. Um, could be fear of uh, uh, losing their job. It could be fear of uh, doing something wrong. It could be fear of, uh, you know, any, any, any of those things. It's, uh, it's, it's rarely you know, from a place of, uh, of uh, laziness and uh, um, negativity. It's usually, you know, a lot of times it's, it's fear and then you, you just have to work uh, through, through those fears and you just have to listen. I mean, everybody is afraid of something different, right? Um, um, I mean, I can think of, uh, you know, um, I used to be married and the biggest fear of my, uh, of my ex-wife was uh, um, instability of income. So uh, she wanted me to be a government employee. It's just not me. I mean, I can't, I can't do that, you know. Uh, she had a fear of lack and lack of money or lack of something, like, you know, financial security, lack of financial security. Um, and I just can't, you know, I can't do that. I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. It's like killed my soul, stress, you know, trying to work for the government and stuff. I, I tried it and it's just not for me. Um, because there you have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, that's actually a great place where you can see a lack of, uh, you know, when you work within government, where you can see a lack of passion. They are there just to clock in and clock out and they have no, no, no passion of anything. And that's why they're lagging behind compared to, to, to industry. I mean, there's some people that obviously in government are trying to improve on that, but it's, it's, uh, it's difficult. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, when you brought up the, the government job, I think the hair on my back of my neck stood up because, you know, as a fellow entrepreneur, yeah, the, the, the randomness of our day sort of gives yeah, us what's exciting. what we're doing. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm curious, uh, continuing this conversation around passion, and we talked about it with our employees and those that are working with us. Um, have you come up with or seen uh, ways to identify individuals with passion, you know, almost you meet somebody for the first time or you're interviewing candidates to do being an employee, are there certain questions or tactics that you use to help identify their passions to see if they're going to be a fit for your team? Yeah. I, I ask them, what do they like to do outside of work? And that's, uh, you know, if you have passion in something, you can have passion in other things. If somebody says, yeah, I mean, nobody says that, but usually they say, uh, you know, when they describe what they do outside of work, it gives you more of a sense of, uh, they give you more of a sense of if it's a passionate person, right? Sometimes people will tell you, oh yeah, I, uh, I compete in X, Y, Z, right? Um, I love to go play soccer every weekend with my friends. And, uh, uh, and so, so you see that, that, that shows that, you know, there is some passion and so, and then, you know, you can, uh, you can dig into that a little bit more and discover if it's just like really a passion or if it's more of, um, you know, a social, social thing. Right. And, and I'm not see, looking for somebody, something that's, um, 
you know, that's necessarily correlated to my business. I want to see if it's a passionate person because there's so many, I'm sorry to say that, but so many boring people out there that, you know, they just uh, leave for the cocktails on the weekend and that's about it. Um, and not having any passion, I think it's, uh, it, it tells a lot about a person. So let me flip that question on you. Um, what, what are your passions outside of your, your work life? Well, actually, I love to be creative. So I turn my passions into work, essentially, uh, but not directly into work. Uh, let me give you an example. Uh, yesterday, I was, uh, I was thinking I was my daughter and I wanted her to, um, I, I want her to get better at, uh, at some of the things. She's in first grade uh, as far as, you know, reading and counting and things like that. And the teacher keeps telling me, oh, you should, uh, you should play game, like do a game with her or, or make it in the form of a game. And then I was thinking, hey, why don't we make it into a game for kids to learn? Because she likes to play spaceship, what she calls spaceships. That means that we we're on the street, we're walking, whatever, or in the house, and we pretend that we're inside a spaceship and then there's aliens trying to get us. And that's what she likes to play. So maybe turn that into a card game and then why not sell it? And so I think, you know, make it in, you know, transforming the, this into something creative. And um, I mean, this creative thing into something fun that I can understand and control better, meaning business, and then show her how to do it. Because one of my passions and things that I really would like to be better and I don't think I'm good enough is um, showing, uh, you know, not giving my daughter what. Uh, what I didn't have, but teaching her what I wasn't taught. And I wasn't taught business. business. And, uh, and I think, she, you know, by showing her how to start the business um, with a card game or something like that, you know, whether it's successful or not is irrelevant. But uh, the important part would be for her to see what it takes and how to do it. So then later on, if she wants to do something that she's passionate about, she can, uh, she can do it. Um, you know, I've, I mean, I have so many ideas like, um, you know, that are creative, like my passion is coming up with business models and brainstorm on it and I give it away freely to people. I mean, I have another one about NFTs that I'm thinking to start the fundraising campaign for, uh, possibly what's going on in Ukraine right now. Um, and so, you know, I investigated and researched and learning. So I can say I have a passion for learning new things that interest me. Uh, a passion for um, expanding my creative uh, side. Um, I think those those really are my passions. And then I try to turn it into business usually. Yeah, that's fantastic. I have the the same similar passion, you know, with with respect to kids and mm -hmm. teaching them through entrepreneurship mm -hmm. and applying the the tactical things that they learn in school to a business or turning an idea into a product and a product into a sale and a sale into revenue and, and so on and so on. Yes, yes. My oldest daughter and I were developing a product just before the pandemic hit. And I took her out of class one day to go to a graphics design uh, office and we designed out this product and we created a beta. And But to the point, I hope that now she has this understanding of she can create things and it doesn't have to always be the traditional route that, you know, we kind of lay out 
in front right. of you. So I, right. you and I are on the same page on that. For yeah, sure. I, I think you have to, to teach kids, uh, you know, one by example, um, and two, show them that they can do anything. People say, oh, you can do anything. But is that really true? It's not 100% true, right? You can do anything, with, with, but you need a certain amount of, of reach and energy to, to get to it. And so, for example, uh, it, it's kind of like, you know, somebody tells me, well, can I climb the Everest? I say, yeah, but probably not in the next month. I mean, I'm totally out of shape. I need to like, you know, practice and train. And so installing um, one of the things that I think kids are lacking is finding the vision. How do you how do you go from point A to point B and laying out milestones to get there? I think it's something that's missing because people say, oh yeah, I'm gonna learn a new language. They barely know English. I'm like, come on guys, let's learn English, then you know, start learning a new language. Or, but you know, find the path and uh, create the, the milestones for yourself so you can achieve your goal. I think people relate that a lot more with the gym, right? They go and they do whatever they do at the gym and then you know, they get to their goal. Uh, I think it has been more done and that's what all those companies are doing right they're showing them oh take this smoothie there uh lift uh five times whatever over there and do those things so that's um th those are all the things that uh i think kids need to learn how to do on their own and not be sold something to be sure. able to do it sure um so let, let's continue on the 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 child, the kid theme, talk to us about your childhood and where you, where you grew up, how you got to where you are today. Like, tell, walk us through the Bruno journey. Yeah, so Bruno journey, the Bruno journey has been a little bit, uh, a little bit unusual. So I grew up in France uh, in 1982. Um, my father was, uh, my father was um, uh, an engineer and my mother was a homemaker. Uh, but she, I mean, she took care of us and she helped us with, you know, many things. I wouldn't say she helped us with homework and things like that. Both of them were immigrants in France. So it was already, uh, uh, it was a little bit, you know, tough for them as far as like language and, uh, and things like that. Um, so pretty early on, I uh, knew I liked the business. I mean, I was like seven or eight and, uh, at the time, it was, you know, the franc and 10 francs were about, at the time, uh, $2. And I would go around the, the, the neighborhood and I would knock on the doors and I'd be like, hey, for $2, I'll vacuum your house. That's what I was telling the, the, the ladies over there. Um, and uh, guess what? Nobody accepted. And I was like, why not? And they're like, oh, maybe you're not going to do a good job. Oh, I'll do it. I mean, they're very business adverse over there. Then at 16, I used to play uh, with my neighbor. We used, to play, uh, we used to play chess a lot and soccer. And, um, and he got a computer. And I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And then we were playing you know, video games at his computer. And, you know, he started making, uh, he made a website for, for himself, like it was like 1996, maybe, I mean, I'm not exactly sure. 82 plus 16, whatever that was. And so we got um, 98, I guess. So we got, um, uh, I saw this and I was thinking, man, this is awesome. Why don't we make a website, like websites for businesses? 
And so we picked up the, I, you know, we picked up this very old laptop that somebody had given us or, or whatever barely worked. And we went around every single store uh, in town. Uh, it was a very small town, about 20,000 people. And we went to every single store and we asked them if they wanted a website and we'll make a website for them. Nobody gave us uh, a, a contract. We met the guy for shoes and says, who the hell is going to buy shoes online? This is the most stupid thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and, you know, Zappo, right? It's history right. now. And this guy obviously is out of business. I mean, he's not even there anymore. For many years, he hasn't been there. Um, so we didn't get a single contract. And then um, I had an uncle here in the, in the United States who... Um, who invited me to come over for the for the summer and so i came and i hang out at his uh i get at his place and uh we um he was working he had uh he had a staffing agency um and i was like you know i used to go there and um he was like hey why don't you work you know i'll give you some cash or whatever and uh, so i was working working with him uh, you know, doing very small administrative tasks. It was mostly vacation most of the day, but I would like do a couple of things here and there to help him out, cash checks at the bank or whatever. But that really opened my eyes to business and what can be built and what can people do. At the time, I think he had like 10 employees. Or so. I mean, he had uh, four or five employees in um, in the office, but then he had up to, it varied between 10 to 100 employees that would work since it's staffing, right, on different Actually, it was a medical staffing agency in different hospitals. And so I saw business, I saw the checks. I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. You know, I want to do business. And then, um, then I came, ended up coming here, um, went to University of Maryland, studied, uh, studied uh, you know, computers and things like that, uh, so computer engineering. But I was living off campus because I couldn't live on campus uh, because it was too expensive uh, for me. And um, the, uh, so they have a program called the Hidman, Hidman CEO, whatever, which is, a, which is a program that funds where they actually give you a secretary to, to basically pick up phone calls and they want to stimulate you to start, uh, to start some businesses within campus. I went there, I begged them to take me, I said, I'll show up to any meeting, whatever, they wouldn't, they wouldn't hear it. They said, forget about it. You're never gonna, you cannot do it because you don't live on campus. And, uh, and I was like, okay, whatever. Funny part, I had two or three friends that were in those things. Actually three guys I can remember that were in that program. None of them is doing business today. Hmm. So, so I just kept going, right? So then I got my first job. Um, I got my first job for a startup. Uh, it was a company that, uh, that did online, uh, online backup. Um, and sold for 123 million. And then I was like, oh my God, this is definitely what I want to do. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it sold for 123 million to, to Norton Antivirus, right? And that's, uh, that's history. Then I, I definitely knew, so I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And then I started uh, doing, uh, doing my own business. I started with some uh, consulting uh, in software and uh, switched to the real estate development side. And how long ago was that when you switched to the real estate? Uh, in 2017, so what, about five years? Uh, you know, so I was doing this before, right? It's a little bit tricky because most people, I mean, most people in this channel uh, probably know about uh, self-directed 401ks and things like that, if they're solo, solopreneurs. Um, 
And so I was using that to invest in a real estate uh, development company. And I saw like I was getting 12%, like doing nothing, right? Just give them a check and they pay me 12% uh, 12% return. Um, so I was like, whoa, this is great. And then, you know, they uh, they split the two, the two guys that uh, I was in, but the company, they were, I was investing in this company that was led by two guys and then they split this. One guy wanted to do the ultra luxury market and the other guy wanted to do um smaller flips and you know less risky projects and i decided to go with the guy that was doing less risky projects and then i uh you know one day he came up to me and says hey let's uh why don't i mean in the meantime i i, I knew him i had a long relationship with both guys and uh one and one of them said hey let's go build a a 25 million dollar house uh you know here close to georgetown and I was like, 25 million, that's crazy. Like, who the hell is going to buy this? That's the guy from the ultra luxury market, right? And the other guy was like, hey, why don't we just go do a couple of flips in PG County? I was like, all right, well, flips in PG County, it is, right? It's a lot less risky. The profile is uh, a, lot, uh, a lot better as far as risk goes. And then we decided to start the company and, uh, you know, we did flips and then we moved to DC. We did more flips in DC, uh, more expensive house, like million dollar house in Capitol Hill. And now we, uh, we just do buildings. Uh, we do, uh, you know, single, I mean, residential, small boutique condos, uh, left and, uh, left and right here in the city. Fantastic. And that's the Brunner's journey. I mean, a lot of, uh, <laughs> Uh, pretty unusual. I mean, pretty unusual for somebody that works for the government or something like that. But much more typical, I would say, probably for an entrepreneur. Very, you know, all over the place. Agreed. It, a lot of it resonated with me, especially the offering something, getting a no, offering something else, getting a no. Yeah. And eventually, you kind of settle into where you are. Um, I'd be curious if you think about that journey you just described. What would what advice would you give yourself today, if if you were talking to the the sixteen year old Bruno, yeah, who's considering going um, and building websites for the town, the local town businesses, yeah, yeah. What advice would you give him? I, I would say uh, don't don't stop. I'm sure that if I would expand it to the towns next door, uh, the towns next door, somebody would have eventually said yes. And today, maybe I, I wouldn't be doing okay. I would be retired. Who knows? <laughs> because you know that you know it was in 1998. It was before all that stuff. And learn, like always, learn in every in every every field. Doesn't matter what you're learning. Like if something is interesting to you, learn because you your memory is so interesting the way it works. It connects things that you don't uh, you don't expect at times you don't expect. Like uh, like I thought I thought about the, you know you asked me about leadership and I was thinking what is a good leader? What is a leader? And I thought about this quote of uh, you know this quote that's like all over the paintings about love, right? And I was thinking, oh, that's so weird how the brain works, right? Leadership and love, what do they have to do together? But they're they're very, very similar. Love, passion, and all those things gonna go together. So awesome. learn everything. Doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, follow your follow your north star, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so just, Bruno, just learned. If somebody from the audience curious to find you, what's your social media platform of choice? <laughs> that's uh, that's a tough one. I just do I just do email. I don't do a lot of social uh, social media. LinkedIn is probably the 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 best. I mean, I have a LinkedIn profile. You know, first name, last name, uh, Bruno Mascolino. 
Um, and I'll, I'll add everybody. I'm not uh, one of those popular guys that you have to follow. You can still send me a message or email, right? Email uh, Bruno at uh, squareresidential.com. Fantastic. And we'll have all those, the social media links, your email, we'll have those in the show notes. Sure. So any of those, anyone who's listening, just go online and, and find um, how to contact Bruno. Bruno, my, my favorite last question, closing question is what's exciting you about the future? Uh, the future, I mean, so many more things to build and create and to invent. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. There's just so much, the unknown, right? The unknown, everything to, to, to do. I mean, you know, you have to look forward, uh, forward to life. Life is exciting and evolving and, uh, you know, everything is exciting. Um, I love it. I love yeah. the energy. So well, thanks. Fantastic. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're very, great. you're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I mean, this was always a great, uh, great interview. Thank you. Yeah. I loved it. It's great getting to know you a little bit more and, and feeling your energy. And um, I look forward to watching you build and discover new things. Oh, me too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Talk to you soon. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought. Walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.